Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Welcome back to another edition of Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. I'm your host, Chris Riley. We're talking with Kirk Kleinendorst. Studio Lou was, again, like I said, you knew he cared about you, even in this funny little way, because he was freaking scary. Like he was intimidating, but he, he I got a, a fun story for you there too. But, <laughs> um, I, remind me because, but you just, you wanted to do a quick story. Going back to Scotty, Scotty always had my back, right? And we are night and day. We are night and day. Like Scotty's the kind of guy and, and Lou knew this. You know, like all you had to do to get the most out of Scotty was get in his face. Just, <laughs> just, and Scotty would get so bad. Like he would go out and just blow guys through the boards, right? Kurt, not so much. <laughs> Kurt, not so much. And I'm not even, Lou yelled at me twice, twice. And the first time that he yelled at me, I swear to gosh, I told it, I didn't talk to him for a month. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even kidding like i i i, I went cricket on it. i didn't even, i never talked to him for a month and, oh, and, and i and i know he knows because he never yelled at me again until my senior year i was leading the country in scoring but our team was struggling and i wasn't even i i wasn't playing my best right and he had this moment where he walks in the locker room and he would do this like every once in a while and he would start going around the locker room and he would start right there and he would go all the way around clockwise and he would just get every single guy. And it wasn't not a complimentary moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I can still remember it. I am sitting there. It's my senior year. I'm playing well, but I can play better. Granted, I, and I give him that. And it was Kurt, Jesus Christ. Are you effing kidding me? You got <laughs> shit between your ears, you know, and he just goes off on me. So he yelled at me once when I was a freshman. I didn't talk to him for a month. And then he yelled at me <laughs> one more time my senior year. Oh my God. He always recruited. I found this fascinating. Um, you know, I've had other guys on. I had Peter Tagley and Eddie on. I've had Bruce on. Um he always recruited players that were not only good on the playing field, but the classroom. Um, he also looked for guys who were captains, maybe not of their hockey team, but of like the, the football team, the baseball team, the golf team, um, people who excelled. He looked for high achievers, you know, and, and he, and, and there's a quote by Nick Saban, the head coach at Alabama. He said, high achievers don't like mediocre people and mediocre people don't like high achievers. And Lou seemed to always be able to get guys who were extremely bright, who were, who were leaders, you know, and when you get to, you know, we always talk about this on the show here on inside the game, when you get to college, everybody was the captain of their team. Everybody was first team, this first team that, but when you get to college, you may not, you keep competing against the guy and he might be better than you, but you were both the captain of your team. But Lou is expecting both of you guys know how to handle that and lead by example. Well, he was, he was great at defining roles, you know, and, and the thing is about roles is it's not always, and again, I know this as a coach too, right? Like the best thing you can be is honest to your players, right? So it may not necessarily be what that player wants to hear but it's definitely what the player needs to hear. Right. So Lou was very good about that. So he would, 
he would, you know, I never, in my freshman year, like I never, I never took, I never got a second on the power play and I never got a second and none of us did. Freshmen just didn't get on special teams. You just focused five on five and that was it. But then after that, sophomore, junior, senior years, you know, your, your role will evolve, but that was Lou and he was going to make you earn your stripes. And he wanted to make sure that you got this before he moved you on to something else. But if you look at the teams that, that Lou puts together, he's always got a strong core, right? Like if you take a look at the Stanley cup teams that he had in New Jersey, you know, even when I was there, right, you got, you got Scotty Stevens, you got Marty Berdur, you got Kenny Danico, you got Bobby Holik. I mean, you got, um, it's just so many good quality players that are his core because the core players with Lou believed in Lou. And so then they just became an extension of Lou and everybody would fall in line. Right. And then you got that other thing about a third, a third and a third, right. You know, you just, what you're trying to do is you're trying to suck everybody into the group below them. You know, Lou was a master at putting together a core, but you, you're right about that. I mean, he missed the boat every once in a while, like he wasn't perfect. He got a couple wrong. Um, but generally when that happened um, and he would never ask a player to leave because I think Lou always felt like, like he could make a difference in any player's life, right. Or any person's life. So the ones that he missed on generally would end up being the ones that would, wouldn't make it for four years, but everybody that he connected with, we all went four years. Yeah. That's what I was going to go to next. Most guys stayed at the school for four years, you know, and a lot of guys were drafted like Richie Costello was drafted. A lot of guys you played with, you were drafted by the Rangers. A lot of guys were drafted today. Guys stay a year, maybe two years in college and they move on to the NHL. They're not going to stick around. You guys stayed for four years. Yeah. How did, how did that help in your development? Not only from hockey sense, but like growing up, did that right. give you guys extra time to mature as, as players and people? Well, it did. Times have changed though, as well. If you kind of, if you really take a look and analyze right back in the day, we went from high school to college. Yes. They don't do that anymore. Right. Somehow, somewhere, somebody changed the formula right now. Again, I, I, I guess that's, I don't love that, to be honest with you. I mean, I think that's probably an NCAA issue where they allow too much time for players to come out of college, high school and, and graduate, you know, but we used to come, right I don't remember anybody coming out of high school, going to play junior and then coming to college. We all just went right to college. And then some programs had JV teams, but you know, that's the one thing, right? So players are coming to college older and now the big money of signing contracts is also a factor. And I think players are probably running the, they're working with agents, agents are in their ears, advisors are in their ears. And I'm sure that if they stay junior, senior years, sometimes they run the risk of signing that lucrative contract. But yeah, I don't necessarily like that, but I bet most GMs do you know, because they're getting a much more mature player. Like when players go from high school to junior, spend a couple of years in the USHL or North American hockey league or Canadian junior, you know, they're coming as a more mature freshman. So that's changed the whole dynamic of college hockey. And it changes everything. Exactly what you're talking about. At one point, this, this has always fascinated me. He had Brian Lawton, Bobby Carpenter and Tom Barrasso coming to the school. Um, how was he able 
to get these guys we're all first round draft choices, not just a first round. We're talking Lawton was first overall Carpenter was third overall. Um, and Brasso was fifth overall. Yeah. They're all coming out of high school back then. These guys at 18 could make that leap to the NHL yeah. and play, you know, how was he able to bring those guys in? I mean, a small little Dominican college in Providence, Rhode Island with 3000 students. That just, you know? that's just Lou. And, and I'll, when I, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain that a little bit. I mean, you would have had to have walked into Schneider arena to feel what we felt, right? It was special. It was not a big building, but everything was pristine. Do you know First that, class. that if we played a game on a Friday, the workers had to clean the boards from from the puck marks that we would put in the boards during the week. I'm not even making this up. Lou, Lou will validate this. Uh, trust me, I heard a lot of cussing, <laughs> but I'm talking not every once in a while, not once a month. I'm talking about before every single home game. They went around and we didn't have advertising on the boards back then. You didn't no. have advertising on in the ice back then. It was pristine. It was clean. You, you, it was spotless. Right. There was who wouldn't be impressed by that. And it might even just be something that you wouldn't even really notice, but you notice. Then you walk into the locker room, you walk into the trainer's room, you walk into our equipment manager's room. I mean, everything was perfect. Um, And I think that Lou was just way ahead of everybody when it came to stuff like that. And he, he just paid attention to detail. There was Lou just, he, He's just, again, I, people get so tired of me talking about Lou. <laughs> like, I'd no, be with, just, he, and I was with, I was five years with Ottawa. I, all I wanted to do was talk about Lou. And I think they just got <laughs> so tired of talking about Lou. But when you look at in, in the history of sports in this, in the United States and Canada and the globe, and you look at, at general managers, you, you look at coaches, there are very, very few people that had his success. Yeah. in sports when you really look at it and you study the, the his body of work and you say to yourself as a young guy he builds schneider arena on the campus right he doesn't just build an arena he builds a mecca arena on the campus to rival like professional arenas around the globe he then comes to the devils takes total control of that franchise builds the prudential center for the devils now he's finishing building the barclays set or the new bar uh, the new building for the yeah. Islanders, right? Yeah. You look at what he's done everywhere he's gone with the way he does. There's, there is a Lou Lamarillo way of doing things. But when you look at his body of work and you say, my God, he comes from this small little college in Rhode Island with only 3,000 students, and he does all these great things. And, and you look at these guys he recruited. I mean, these are not, you know, these are not guys you, you, you forget. You know, these are Bobby Carpenter, Tom Barrasso. These are Stanley Cup champions. These are guys who've won. That's unbelievable when you think about it. They were coming to play college hockey at Providence College. Why didn't they choose BC? Why didn't they choose BU? You know, why didn't they choose Harvard? I can tell you right now, because he made them feel special. And he did it in a way that they trusted him. And he did it in a way that their parents trusted him. That was Lou. You know, like he, and he is. You know, again, I'm sure there are things at the level that he is at now, right, that we don't know about, you know, but I can tell you right now that when, when he was at Providence college, you know, like his, I have 
history of with Lou. I have experiences with Lou where he said, well, if you're telling me I said that, I have no reason to doubt you. I, that's Lou, you know? And so I'm just one person that's had a connection with Lou. Anybody that's come in contact with Lou in that situation, he gets a connection. That's the key. And he was so far ahead. Cause if you, if you do any seminars now, if you talk to sports psychologists, like if you're trying to become a better coach today, the first thing that they are going to get you to understand is the power of connecting, you know, each and every one of your players needs to, to sense their worth. They need to know how much you appreciate them and you have to connect because if you don't, you're not going to get their value. Well, Lou was just 40 years ahead of everybody. <laughs> I'm just saying, right. Yeah. He's amazing, man. You stay at Providence college for four years. What'd that do for you in your development? Well, again, it's anybody that goes anywhere for four years is, you know, is, is going to mature. They're going to, they're going to grow up. Um, so, I mean, people listening to this are going to be, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're young. Because it all goes back to Lou. I mean, again, let's be clear. I was raised in a wonderful community by some great parents, my grandparents, coaches. I mean, I have a lot of people that helped me establish a really nice foundation, right? And then I go to Providence College. And I think Lou just helped me establish a stronger base. And I matured over the years and he just helped me along. And I give him a lot of credit for that. You know, my wife would say too much credit. You know, (laughs) Sometimes you need to give yourself a little credit, but I give Lou a lot of credit because I know a lot about Lou. I've got a wonderful relationship with Lou and he's been nothing but a, just a, a great mentor to me, you know? Um, but again, what did I learn? Um, well, Lou was very, very much about team first, right? Like, you know, that that's why very few of any players that played at Providence college, um, uh, won individual awards, you know, the Hobie Baker awards and stuff like that. Um, you know, even sometimes all American awards, you know, um, Lou is just about the team. It's the team. It's the team. It's the team. And so you understand how important the team is, right? Oh, yeah. And that's a great, great um, lesson for anybody in any walk of life, whether it's hockey player, whether it's a business, whatever, you know, team comes first. And if you can learn how important it is to accept roles and be a good teammate. And, you know, we all knew he never coped coached us on how to speak to the media but we sure all knew how to speak to the media because we knew what Lou's values were and we knew what Lou wanted us to portray right and so yeah it's it's it all just falls back on Lou I mean double b was there too Bob Belmore but you know um he was more of a a goalie guy but he was you know he's got you got to give double b a little bit of credit because not everybody could have worked for Lou right? Like he understood Lou and he knew how to put up with Lou, you know, and he could sure make you feel good. He could put a smile. <laughs> he gave me one piece of advice, Double B. You want me to tell you what it was? I'd love I to hear my it. knee um, prior to my sophomore season. 
And uh, it was pre-training camp. We were out there. It was Jacques Delorme, lays a hip check on me at the blue line, and I'm out. So he tasks Double B to take me down to New York to get a brace. And so we're down there, and we went to get get my knee all fixed or set up and everything. And here's Double B's advice. We're walking. He gave me two pieces of advice. He says, Kurt, my boy, he says, don't look up. Don't look up. He says, everybody will know we're tourists. Don't look up. <laughs> and then he says, and you know what we're going to do now? We're going to go find a ladies room because you know why? I'm like, no. He says, because they all got to come here at some point. He said, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like and double B. <laughs> I was going to say, so if you didn't know double B, that tells you that's, all you need to know. That's, about double yeah, B. He, he was the best. <laughs> it was segment two with Kirk Klein endorsed here on inside the game brought to you by flex coach and flex coach VR. Stay tuned for segment three. Inside the game brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. 